For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening. That means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been this past week? Not too bad, thanks, Dan. Um, you know, really, really quiet on the Spurs front. Um, so, look, looking forward to having a chat to you tonight um, and going over all things that have come up, and especially today. Yes, it's been a very busy evening, which has sort of changed the shape of the show slightly. However, James is also back from his scouting trip from last week. You're back in the fold once more. A pleasure as always. How have you been this past fortnight? Yeah, very well, very well. It's been quite eventful for myself, but uh, very, uh, very good to be back with the boys. Very good to be talking to them again. Lovely stuff. Before we do, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know and I'll sort it for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business has broken minutes before the show was going to start. So it wasn't on the agenda this week, but we're going to have to discuss it all the same. Because, Cole, what do you make of Harry Kane's shall we say, reported comments. Is there a case of no smoke without fire? Uh, it's really interesting one, isn't it, Dan? I think, as you say, you, you kind of get the impression a lot of the time, you know, some of these rumours, you know, some of them you, you think can just be, <clears throat> you know, how can we get a story out there? I think when you look at the previous couple of interviews Harry's done just recently where he stated his desire to win trophies, and wants to be fighting for top honours, um, you know, he's never really come out and kind of been that forceful, forceful before in interviews about wanting to win things, and that, yes, personal accolades are great, but I want to be winning trophies. And I think, you know, for me, they were the first worrying interviews where you sort of go, mm, well, that to me sounds like, you know, he, he's now reached a point where he does want to sort of think, I need to be winning stuff. Um, so I do believe there's probably no smoke without fire. And we know how it kind of works. You know, Harry himself is not going to come and sit down in front of a interviewer and say, listen, I want to leave Tottenham. We know he's, you know, he's too professional for that. But I'm pretty sure in his camp, they're starting to think, right, we need to get the wheels in motion and we need to get this going now. Um, so, so for me, the worry is I do believe that this is probably coming from within his camp. This is his desire to actually finally, you know, he wants to win things and he knows, probably knows now himself, the time has come where it's not going to happen with us and that he will need to move on. And I think this is just the start of his camp getting that sort of the wheels in motion and the momentum going for some bids and some real firm interest to come. And then obviously, you know, I, I do think we might be in a situation where what we've dreaded for a long while will actually happen this summer. So, James, obviously, desire is different to something actually happening. You know, we're not quite there yet. And the shred of hope that people hang on to is Daniel Levy putting a extortionate price on his head. Let's say, I don't know, £150 million plus. With that said, strikers of Harry Kane's ilk are 
very, very rare these days. You know, Monday forward, like a Mane or a Salah, not that kind of centre forward, although Kane's much more than that anyway. But price or no price, do you think someone will sniff out this availability and think, do you know what, sod it, let's pay it? I that that is the only thing that's keeping me uh, in the Kane stays camp. That's just because um, we have obviously got a chairman who is going to squeeze every penny out of the life of any transfer. Um, I think there's also going to be clubs that he refuses to trade with. I think that he, you know United and Chelsea. I think they've got to be off the table. Um, and and also I just think you know uh, after the pandemic, after the year that we've just had, I I can't see many clubs having if any clubs having the funds to to pay pay for Harry Kane you know you got you got to think about how, how much that deal would be worth you know yes the transfer fee would be it's, it's got to be 150 um you know agent fees contracts you know there's that is just a hell of a lot of money to to outlay uh, outlay yourself and you know you obviously look at city and think they could probably do it um but i mean again I still think that that Carry might just be that little bit too injury prone for for Man City, and I think he, because of the 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 position that Harry has taken up at Tottenham right now, I don't think City are necessarily a great fit for him. You know, they've they've got players like De Bruyne who who, who kind of do do the work that he's doing already. Um, is he going to want to go to City and just be that fox in the box? I, I'm not sure. Uh, I think personally though, I just I can't see it happening. I think it's it, it's uh, an easy an easy story for for Sky to write. I mean, you know, on, on quiet days where they they kind of look they're looking for a few clicks. Uh, another Harry Kane story comes out the woodwork. Um, plus, you got to look at Harry himself. And I, I think he's even if he has got a desire to leave Tottenham. Let's face it, all of us have got a desire to leave Tottenham, but it's just whether we can actually do it or not. Um, you know, Harry, he might might want to might want to go somewhere else and, and win trophies, but logistically, it doesn't look like it, it. It is likely to happen in my book. And also, he's not the kind of player to, to kick up a fuss and and start, you know, demanding a transfer away, especially from from the club that that made him, the club that's given him the career. Uh, and the club that he he so clearly so clearly loves. So, you know, even if Tottenham did get that 150 million pound in, um, it, it, like you say, Dan, who who do we spend that money on to to replace Harry? And and the thing is, he he does the jobs of more than one player. You know, just simply going out and getting a a, a world class centre forward wouldn't do the job because then you're you're looking at who's gonna who's gonna provide the creativity. Um, you know, Harry does does so much, and I think it, it was real, it, especially, you know, with the pressure that Enoch and Levy are under at the moment. I think selling their prize asset would be the final nail in the coffin. Um, you know, selling a, a player who has united us over, you know, a bad year, who's united, who's united us over, a, you know, the, his whole career. He he's brought Tottenham fans together. Um, and to sell him now would be a, a real show that he, you know, we do not have an ambitious board, we don't have an ambitious chairman, um, and we're you're basically asking how much would it cost for Tottenham to become a mid-table club if you ask me, because the, there's no way that you could replace what Harry does in the team. Um, so yeah, I, I I can't see it happening, um, but you you wouldn't blame Harry for wanting to leave. I just can't see it happening logistically. Well, Carl, this is the danger in that if Harry Kane was to leave. A replacement would need to be sourced, but Tottenham aren't necessarily dining at the top table of European football, so you wouldn't really be able to get 
someone from that ilk, you know, a counterpart, you'd have to be going down the footballing food chain. And, you know, trying to replace Harry Kane anyway is going to be impossible. It's going to be even more impossible if you're sort of surfacing around the middle of the Premier League or back to the continent. Yeah, it, it would be then. But if I was to chuck two names at you, Grealish and Ings, if you used those funds and brought those two in, would that improve us right now? You'd have to sit there and say, wouldn't you? If, if there was a, if, if you kind of knew, because we have to reach a point, don't we, where we sit there and say, we know Harry is going to leave at some point. And, and I think we are reaching a point where the club will sit there and say, listen, this bloke is now probably at his top value. And if we don't, at, at some point, they are, as we know, the, the Enoch and that are looking at money, aren't they, and, and what they can make. So Harry Kane right now is the hundred and fifty million. Although I don't believe anyone's got a hundred, but hundred and fifty mil. But I could actually see something where he potentially goes for a hundred million um, in the summer, because that's still, given the current climate, a massive transfer fee, given everything going on in the world. Um, and I think at some point. Levy and Enoch might go, well, listen, as much as this is our star player, the money starts to go on the decline in, in, you know, not too far in the future. You know, one more season, two more seasons, and all of a sudden you're now on the downward spiral of the guy's value. So this is the peak. And if we are going to get rid of him, now's the point where we need to maybe go, well, you know, this is the point where we are going to have to sacrifice a crown jewel to maybe try and rebuild. And unfortunately, he's going to be the one at the peak of his transfer value. And although we don't want it, and I certainly wouldn't want it, I also think you have to factor in that Harry might be in the background saying to the club, listen, I've been loyal to you now long enough. Um, I now do want to go and I don't want too many blockers being put in the way because, yes, I'm not going to be difficult. Yes, I'm not going to be coming out in the press, throwing my toys out the pram. But behind closed doors, I am going to be telling you, listen, I want out and I want to go now. Um, and the club, at some point, you are stuck when a player's in that sort of mood, aren't you? Because I don't think Harry is the sort who's not going to perform on a match day for you. But once you know the player wants out, you can't kind of keep someone like that in and around the squad because there's only so long you can keep someone like that happy uh, and it doesn't upset the whole the whole squad. Um but if, if he was to go, if that money... Now, I don't trust our ball to spend that money in the, the way it would need to be to kind of replace him because he isn't... You know, he is irreplaceable as such. But if you was to buy Ings and Grealish in the summer, would that go some way to kind of using that money wisely and replacing him? Because Grealish would be the midfielder we're really dying for, wouldn't it? You know, creativity, you know, runs, games suddenly Ings is the next best thing, in my opinion, a forward that you know can hit the ground running, score goals, knows the leagues, looking good. Um, and you'd go, well, OK, he will still at least score you 15 to 20 goals a season with Son, with Grealish now behind him, with Bow or, you know, potentially other players that you might bring in because they, you'll get that £100 million for Harry then possibly there might be, there's going to be other players going out the door you'd like to think that add value. It, you are reaching a point where you do think if the money was spent wisely, 
we have reached a point of do we have to sell the crown jewel to possibly improve the squad and move forward? Well, this is an interesting point, James. And I think potentially there's a similarity at Leicester, which could happen in the next year or two, in that Jamie Vardy, I know he's not going to be going for 100 million, but he will leave Leicester eventually and they will have a void to fill. Now, that might come in the shape of Ian Acho or it might be someone who comes in from external matters. With that in mind, does that mean that a team doesn't have to necessarily improve like for like, it just needs to evolve its shape? And if Tottenham go down the Ings and Grealish route, would that be the right kind of evolution for you? Um, Grealish, yes. Um, I know, Carl, you've been a massive fan of Danny Ings and, and, and look, he, he is playing out of his skin, but I just, I just don't think those two players kind of fill that void between them. I mean... It, it's a hell of a void, obviously. Look, we, I, and I know that you know you have to take it into consideration that there is no other player on the planet like Harry Kane, and so it's not like we can say, yeah, we'll, we'll sell Kane and, and we'll bring so and so in. It might be that, yeah, you're right. Now we have to completely change our shape. I mean, who would be our new centre forward? We'd have to put Sonny there, and if you're going to play Grealish, you're going to play him out on the left. Um, I, I just don't see that team creating. The same chances. Um, I don't see the killer pass um, that, that Harry Harry creates, and 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 to me, yeah, Danny Ings wouldn't necessarily be the answer. I'd I'd like for him to come and, and push Kane for for a first team spot. I think it it'd help the both of them. Um, but personally, that that team just doesn't frighten me as much on paper as any team that's got Harry Kane in it. Uh, this is this is obviously the dilemma, and I remember. Look, the, the three of us have, have, have sat around this podcast and, and spoke about this before. When it, you know the Coutinho situation with Liverpool, where you know you have to sell one of your prize assets, but you you recruit properly and you build you build a team from it, and and that's exactly what Liverpool did. And yeah, they they changed their shape. You know, with going going forward with with Salah and Mane and uh, and Firmino, but. I just, as you as you mentioned before, I I don't trust this Tottenham board. I don't trust this Tottenham recruitment with that 150 million to 200 million. Um, you've only got to look at the bail money. You know, maybe obviously Ericsson was a good investment, um, but other than that, you know, no, none of those players really worked out. Uh, you've got obviously got Lamella, or you wouldn't say that that was a success either. Um, so you know, I I don't trust. I don't trust us to go out and, and pick the right players. I, I don't think that money would be invested directly. And I think, you know, you've also got to think about how much money Villa would want for Jack Grealish as well. I think that's that's looking upwards of, you know, towards 100 million. Um, and I don't see this board, this chairman, pay, paying that money for one player, even even though we've just, say we just sold one for 150. I don't see them bringing one in for 100. They that's just not the way they worked. I mean, look look at the bail money. It was kind of tens and twenties here and there. So, as as much as you know, it might sound it might sound good on paper. Yeah, Danny Ings, Premier League proven, good finisher, Grealish, create the chances. It just doesn't doesn't fit for me. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make sense, uh, and it doesn't um, it doesn't frighten me in, in the same way that Harry Kane being in the team would. But I guess we've got to but look at it if, two ways. But what about if they're just your first two pieces in a rebuild, James? Yeah. What I about mean, you, you bring Grealish in? I think, realistically, Grealish, you're talking 50, 60 mil, maybe. Um, and I think you could probably get him. Then Ings, maybe 30 mil. So, all of a sudden, that's just that could be your Harry Kane money 
done almost. But then you are sitting there going, okay, that's the first two pieces of a new rebuild, a new Tottenham. Now we've got Ingson, Grealish supplying the bullets, if you like. But now we're going to build around that as well. And we're going to get rid of Sanchez, Lamella, people like that. And then we're going to bring in, if the recruitment's done right from that side of things, all of a sudden you, you, the aim is to try and do what Liverpool did, isn't it? Which is get rid of one player but replace that one player's quality with two or three real quality players, which although you can't ever, rep- you, and you'd never be able to replace Kane's goals and his ability, but if you now suddenly got two or three players produce scoring more, because obviously that's one of the things we really lack, isn't it? You know, Kane is our main goal scorer alongside Son. After that, the others chip in with five or six a season. If you suddenly had four players all getting 10 to 15 goals, now you're saying, well, actually, Kane has gone, but he was the main focal point. But now this is a side that's got three or four focal points that all work well together. And now suddenly they're a much more dangerous outfit altogether because they've brought in quality. I, I'm like you, though. My biggest worry is the club won't do what they needed to to bring in that quality. But if you were going to sell him, that's what you have to do, don't you? Levy would have to bite the bullet and say, I don't want to spend £60 million on Jack Grealish, but I need to buy a big-name player because I've just let the crown jewel go and this, this club will turn pretty quickly if I don't do something to kind of get a name in that excites everyone. So I just think there's a game plan. There's a difficult decision for someone to make. But I, I know what you're saying, but if Grealish and Ings were the first two pieces of a new four or five piece puzzle, then that that's the way you've got to look at it, isn't it? But I don't think any of us here, by the sounds of it, would trust the board or the recruitment to get that right and do that. And say you could easily go from you could easily go to being a real mid table club that you take Kane out of this side right now. And we're probably looking mid to lower half of the table, aren't we? Yeah, that's the fear. I mean, if you knew today that Harry Kane was going to leave and you had guaranteed replacements lined up, then your future wouldn't be as uncertain. Unfortunately, football doesn't work like that. That's the big unknown, isn't it? You sell Kane, you don't know what you're going to be lined up with in August. And we've had our fingers burnt so many times with bail money and just buying badly. You think that's the kind of knot in your stomach at the moment. You think, I can't envisage Tottenham being a top six club without Harry Kane, you know, the pieces of the puzzle afterwards would not fit together. That's the worry. Now, of course, he hasn't left yet, so let's not turn this into an episode of Relative Remembrance because we do need to talk about something else. Actually, a couple of things. It's been a really busy week, so Enoch, that's our next topic. Now, there was the protest over the weekend. Carl, I know you were planning on going, but time got the better of you. No bother, because I think between us, we've all seen the extent of the protests on social media, so we can all sort of make sense of the event. So we're just going to sort of chat about that for the next bulk of the show. So, Cole, on that topic, what did you make of Saturday? I thought it obviously seemed to go as well as could be. You know, it it wasn't kind of Tottenham High Road completely packed, which I don't think it was ever going to be. Because, as we say, although, you know, there was a lot of noise about it on Twitter, I think you always have to remember that Twitter is just such a small fraction of the fan base, isn't it? And there are still a lot of the fan base who are really behind Enoch and what they're doing at the club. Um, But 
at least it wasn't, if you like, the first one after the European Super League where, you know, you just had, say, 10 or so people and it was kind of become a laughing stock. There was actually a decent turnout there. Um, you know, you had all the banners and stuff. Some obviously weren't appropriate and kind of, you know, turn the attention away from what the real thing is but that you're always going to get those sort of situations aren't you um in in a protest but i felt from what you could see and the way it was all done i think it was a good step in the first direction i think you know hopefully it will have achieved what in my opinion the point of the protest is which is no one thinks you're going to get Enoch and you know leave you out just by suddenly turning up with a few banners and turning up outside the ground but I don't think that's necessarily the point and, and what people want to get from it I think people just want to wake them up to the realization that right listen we've put up with enough now we've been fed enough dreams of what's going to happen and everything and year after year it doesn't materialize and we're now reaching the point where we've kind of got a bit tired we've had enough and something needs to change drastically on the pitch um, because the fan base has now turned. And we're going to let you know this is just a small, but if there's fans in this ground soon and it's fully packed and results start turning, things will get toxic very, very quickly. Um, and obviously the ball don't want that because at a certain point, fan power does play its part. And eventually, if enough people are calling for change, something will happen. Um, so I think it was a good start in the right direction. I think it's something that we said last week, didn't we? The momentum needs to keep going. Um, so whether it needs to be another one comes um, and, and another one is organised or, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the very first game with fans in, people are going to do something at the next game to try and make their voices heard. I think it did what it did. You know, we've now got the board saying they want to meet with the trust, haven't we? The Tottenham um, supporter trust and, and start trying to build something there. So that's more positive. Um, so I, I think all in all, I think enough noises have been made to kind of, you know, get enough attention, highlight it to certain people at the club that, well, actually, this is a fan base now that could really turn. And that's not something we really want. Um, and, and I think... It was peaceful, which was the main thing. So I say well done to everyone that was there. I think you kind of did yourselves proud. And, and hopefully this is the step in the right direction. Now, James, obviously you weren't with us last week, but I know you've given your recent Enoch views during that Super League episode. So I just want to get your idea on how you thought things panned out over the weekend. Can it be considered a respectable protest in both numbers and tone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, to an extent. Um, obviously, there's there's a few, um, you know, bad eggs, I guess. But but to be honest, I I, I think you know it's always going to happen when you've got a big crowd of people. There's always going to be a few people who who kind of make themselves look a bit silly. But um, I thought everyone, yeah, everyone who went, there were some brilliant banners for for one. There were some some absolutely great banners. I mean, shout out to Holly for for the egghead Daniel Levy photo. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was it was very respectable, and it's in terms of numbers. I mean, look, you got to look at you know the Man United protest um, a couple of weeks back. You know that that is the scale that you want, and that is a is a proper you know that's a proper club like fair play. You know, you had to kind of stand back and say that is that is how you you make your owners aware that you are not happy. Um, 
I think obviously the numbers would have been maybe even bigger if it was match day. Um, if uh, yeah, but I think it was it, you know it was set in stone that it was the fifteenth and it was going to stay as the fifteenth, no matter what the you know the game's been been moved or whatever. And and I don't think it got that much coverage, which which is another thing. You know, I think if there was more coverage, it probably would have grown, grown and grown. And but there was enough, probably enough coverage. And and you you're absolutely right in saying that this is just the start. You know, that needs to be the the first of many you know it needs to, it needs to be bigger and it needs to be it needs to i think i saw the suggestion uh somewhere on twitter that, that we need to do we need to make this um known on on an nfl day you know when when daniel levy's love child nfl is is at is at white Hart lane we need to make it clear because if we embarrass him in front of in front of his his american audience in front of his his investors he is going to sit up and notice and something is going to change then because he, he won't want that. It's his, you know, it's his, it's his income stream. It's his revenue. It's, uh, and it's going to get the coverage, um, that, that we need, uh, to, to, to make a real difference because if this is just a one-off, everyone's printed their, you printed their banners off and then they get, you know, put back in the cupboard, then we're not going to see any change. Um, so, you know, that United protest, maybe not the going on the pitch part, you know, but the, the rest of it, the, the, the scale of it, is something to aim for. Um, you know, we're probably not gonna gonna reach that as a club, but it's something to aim for certainly. Um, but again, yeah, big shout out to, to everyone who who did show their face. It was uh, it was it was impressive. Now, in between last week's podcast being recorded and the protest itself, the club announced fan representation is planned for the board. So, Cole, are you tempted to throw your hat into the ring? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's something that I think every supporter kind of sits there and goes, well, I'd have some of that, you know, I'll go in and tell them what needs to happen. But I think obviously you need the right candidate there, don't you, with the right background. Um, The problem you also have is, you know, we've had the supporters trust there for a long while, haven't we, where you kind of feel the club don't have to work with them, but they do to kind of tick a box, I think. It's more of a box ticking exercise how much sway that supporters trust have probably not that much. I'm sure there's meetings where they just sit there and listen and yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what the supporters want. Is it? Um, Oh, they want chips. Yeah. We'll give you chips. They want an hundred million pound striker. Well, they can do one for that. You know, we'll give you your chips and that's about it. Um, it's hard to know whether, you know, having a supporter there is going to make any difference, is it? I think the only thing we don't want is you don't want someone who, you know, it, it does need to be the right person. It all depends on how much, you know, what they're going to be involved in, how much sway they have. I still don't think they're going to have that much sway. There's suddenly one supporter being there is not going to make a massive difference on the transfer dealings or the policy of the club. But it's a step in the right direction and you can only hope that, you know, if there are movements for, you know, Super Leagues again, which we think will rear its head again at some point, the club will actually suddenly now realise they need to actually be a little bit more careful of what the supporter reaction will be and how it's going to come across. So I think, you know, it's a step in the right direction. It's where we need to go. Um, It's forward thinking. Um, We just need to make sure that you get someone on there who's sensible, um, you need to see when it does happen what their actually participation is, what you know, what their what meetings are they in, what what sort of what views are taken on board from what that supporter says. But time will only tell, I guess, on that. But 
probably you know I, I might not be the right person for that because after a bad derby defeat or something like that <laughs> the next meeting might not be the sort of one you should really be going into yeah i've seen some good um some good videos of people saying like you know what the what the first supporter would say to daniel levy the minute he walks in the boardroom um there've been some great videos on twitter doing the rounds um but yeah it, it's a good move that that's hope that the right things come from it and the club of kind of got their fingers burnt a little bit and now realise they need to be a little bit more careful. Now, James, in all seriousness, is it just lip service or also does it undercut the supporters' trust in any way? I mean, can a member of their group be on the board or does it need to be someone completely independent? Um, it probably be, probably needs to be someone independent. But, I mean, it, the the likelihood of it being someone like us you know one of us normies is is probably quite low i mean it's 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 probably not going to happen the way we want it to happen um i think the, the important thing is that there are, there is just some representation there someone um who who's got the has got the cojones to kind of stand up and if 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 you know the, if the club are going to do something that that is going to um cause outrage amongst the fans you want someone there who's going to be able to keep them grounded you know think think about the super league i mean if if there was some proper representation on the board when this was even being discussed, it, 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 someone had to put their head above the parapet and say, "Look, this is ridiculous. You are gonna, you're gonna lose a lot of support here. You're gonna, and you, you know, you're gonna upset a lot of people." It almost seems like that that conversation never occurred, and and the the board kind of sat there thinking, having you know, nodding amongst themselves, thinking, "This is a great idea," and not a single person had their feet on the ground and, and realised what, what what kind of a reaction it was going to cause. So as as much as we need someone um, who who has connections to the fans, we need someone who's going to really, ha- you know, have the confidence to, to stand up to, to decisions and stand up for, for what, what they genuinely believe the fans will want because, you know, the, the people, these people in high places, they don't necessarily see things the way we see things. Um but you know, it, it has to be someone who has some kind of influence too. It can't just be, you know, someone from you know, picked out of a hat. It has to be someone who, whose opinion is is going is going to be recognised. You know, um, it's it's got to be either that or Dav Spurs. You know, like I'll be happy with him. But just for the record, obviously last week we devoted a whole episode to the topic of Enoch out, and it's because it was rather important. Obviously, we sort of overlooked the football, and I just want to be clear that although we've as a podcast made our side of the argument that we're on the outside, I think we need to be mindful that others will be sharing a different view and that needs to be respected. So on behalf of the pod, it's not going to be suddenly an Enoch out vehicle every week because otherwise, you know, it just becomes a bit one note. So we just need to be... I think as well, Dan, didn't we? We were, I think we were quite good in saying that I don't think the objective is necessarily the initial objective is to get them out desperately. I think the initial objective is just to wake them up and say, listen, you know, there needs to be a little bit more on the pitch side now. You know, yes, you've done great things off the pitch and you've made Tottenham this brand that, not being funny, we've become the brand that was in the European Super League. Who would have thought of that given the success we've had on the pitch? So you've got to give credit where credit's due for making Tottenham a brand. But I think the initial 
you know, I think our initial view is we're not, none of us here are desperately Enoch out because we don't know the future if that happens. But what we do want to do is see them just wake up a little bit and go, well, listen, the on-pitch side of things now needs to be a priority because you were close at one point and you've let us deteriorate. And we just want to make sure they don't take their eyes off the ball for that, just thinking, well, now we've got this stadium that can hold events in NFL. That's all we. That's all our aim was. We just want to let them know, listen, don't think that's it. And we're all just going to sit here now and go, oh, brilliant. Yeah, we've got a nice stadium. Now we've got a nice stadium. We want to see a nice team as well on it. Perfectly summed up there, Carl. Right, that's out of the way, because we need to talk about our advertised topic, that we're nowhere near. And that works out quite well, Carl, because we're nowhere near finding a manager at the moment, are we? No, uh, it's really strange, isn't it, Dan? You know, I was sitting here thinking about it again today. And I don't think anyone actually has any inkling of who it actually is who's going to get the manager's job. You know, I think... Every time that kind of a previous manager has been sacked, there's always kind of been a strong favourite that you've kind of known, OK, this is the man we're going for. Um, whereas this time, I think now we're sitting there thinking, well, not being funny, we had supposedly the best of the best and it was a big, massive failure. So where do we go from here? Who do we turn to next? And I don't think, honestly, any one of us could tell you who we actually believe or think is going to get the job. It, it's really open, I think, as to where this, where who the next manager is going to be and the direction the club are going. Well, I've got a long list of suitors and we're going to run through pretty much all of them. So, James, first up, I'm going to fire out a trio of names. Nagelsmann, Rogers, Ten Hag, all reportedly rebuffed already. Now, one of them definitely cannot change their mind because they're packed up to go to Bayern. Do you envisage a 180 from either of the other two? No. Um, uh, I, I mean, obviously, Ten Hag um, was was quite short and sweet in, in the rumour mill. I think, obviously, I think he signed a contract, didn't he? A, a new contract off the back of the rumours. Um, and then, of course, Brendan Rodgers, to me, it just makes no sense. I mean, if, if you're... Um, if you're running that ship at Leicester, which is going very, very well, by all means, they've just won a trophy. They, uh, you know, they look like they they could still get Champions League. Likely, likely they could get Champions League. They're definitely going to be in Europe. They've got some young, exciting players, and they're playing football in in uh, you know a, a very, very good system. Um, you know, that's not a club that you you would want to leave to to potentially go to Spurs and and maybe have a team that's. Probably slightly underperforming. Um, you've you've maybe got a, a lot of deadwood that needs shifting, and you've you know you've you've maybe got to look at changing the whole philosophy of the team. It just it doesn't make sense, you know. I, I think we we were all saying uh, how jealous we were of Leicester this weekend. You know, they're seeing them lift that trophy with uh, a chairman who clearly loves the club and um, and wants to put his heart and soul into the club. And uh, he's he's enjoying reaping the benefits of of, of uh, a great uh, you know a great setup at Leicester. Why would you why would you kind of throw that all in to, to go and work with Daniel Levy, where you've kind of got to maybe scrape by on 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 what you're going to get transfer wise? Um, and and as I say, there's a lot of deadwood that needs shifting as well. So it isn't just coming into a ready-made team. Yeah, I think I think Rogers would would have to be a little bit a little bit off his head to, to, to choose Tottenham over Leicester at the moment. Um, so, you know, obviously it was a bit frustrating to see th- three managers kind of 
immediately rule themselves out. Nagelsmann would have would have been my first choice, but obviously that Bayern Munich job is is one that you you can't really turn down when it comes along. It's basically it's basically having a free crack at at Germany and 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 then competing for the Champions League. Um, but I mean that I guess that, that means that we can we can move our search elsewhere rather than pining after one of those three. We can we can move on to to the next uh, the next lot, which I'm sure are on your list. Yes, yeah, so Carl, the reason we can't get our hands on Nagelsmann is because Hans Dieter Flick announced he was leaving Bayern. Now, if you're a betting man, it looks likely he'll be given the keys to the German national job. But today, Monday, there's half a rumour that Levy has him on his radar. Do you buy into that at all? No, I think, like as you say, I think he's handed that in because he's ready to take the Germany job, doesn't he? And kind of give himself a little crack at that. Um, and obviously, you know... He, Again, if you're German and your national job comes up, you don't really turn it down, do you? Because that's, again, another job that doesn't come your way very often. Um, so I don't think that's a realistic target at all. Um, and obviously, just to say what James was saying as well, you know, when you look at the Rogers situation and our squad right now, you also throw into the mix after today the possibility you could be losing your crown jewel as well. And that kind of makes taking the Tottenham job on, again, even less kind of appealing, doesn't it, really? Well, of course, yes. I mean, the list of names I've prepared are a list with Kane at the club, but you could probably scrub four or five of these off straight away if he's no longer in N17. So let's assume for the purpose of this debate that Kane is at the club for next season. And with that in mind, James, Antonio Conte. Now, he always likes to sort of put his own seeds into the press that he's going to be moving on from wherever he is. He doesn't like to put down too many routes. And it is reported that, again, it's Monday night, so tomorrow morning... Apart from in his head, then. Yeah, very good. I like that. We love that. <laughs> so, he's reported to uh, leave Inter Milan on a high after finally breaking Juventus' deadlock of Serie A. So, could you see he's next stop being a return to London or does another former Chelsea boss become a rather bad idea for us? I think look, we've, we've been down that route and, and I, I can't see that one you know, ending very well. I've, I think obviously you'd have the, the initial new manager bounce but um, <laughs> again I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Levy has kind of learnt his lesson from Jose in that you know it, when it's good it's going to be good but then when it's bad it's going to be really bad because you know this is a guy who clearly isn't uh, necessarily Tottenham through and through, um, and uh, and obviously the Chelsea connect- connections are going to make it uh, a little bit a little bit different difficult. Plus, he's he's not the kind of exciting, expansive manager that that we that we we should be looking at. I don't think it's that that uh, you know expansive attacking football that that this club clearly desperately needs after. After 18 months of Jose, I think we we need someone who's gonna who's gonna play some entertaining football and and really get the best out of the attacking talent that we've got. Um, plus, you know, I I don't know how 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 solid the rumours that he's leaving into Milan are. I think he, he's put a lot of work in there. He's changed the system and brought a lot of players in, and then he's had his success. You know, what would he leave there now? And I I just think that again Tottenham are not an attractive prospect for a manager right now, which is which is an awful thing to for me to have to say, but there's a lot of work that needs doing there. So I think it needs to be a manager who who sees it as a step up, um, who sees who has a has a philosophy that he's wanting to build, um, rather than a manager who who 
you know, is, is going to see it as a sideways step. And, uh, you know, I, I think we need someone to take us on as a project because we're at, we, we are back to square one kind of, we've undone, undone a lot of the work that Pochettino did. And we, we seem to be playing, even under Mason, we seem to be playing football without much of a style, really. Um, so it needs to be someone who's going to come in and want to in, implement a, a new, a fresh attacking brand of football and, and get the best out of a squad, which is which is probably, you know, 60% complete. There's a lot of gaps in the squad that need exploiting. And uh, I, I can't see Conte being that, that kind of a manager, if you ask me. OK, on the topic of Chelsea managers, because they've named so many in the past decade, there's two more that are potentially in the mix. Carl, what do you make of Rafa Benitez? Has top-tier football just passed him by now? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and again, what we're looking at there, isn't it? You know, a manager who kind of built his reputation on just a solid defensive unit, um, not always the most attractive football. And, and again, you're looking at a manager who, for me... I think he's now more on the wane of his career. And, and, you know, I just think the game may have, like with Jose, possibly just be starting to pass him by. Um, and you could just see that ending in failure as well, couldn't you? And he's another manager, isn't he? That if things don't start going his way and he doesn't necessarily get the players he wants, then, you know, the rumblings start coming pretty quickly that he's not happy. So for me, I think you can scrub him confidently off the list. And James, would you be ready for a portion of Sari Ball next season? No, I'm just going to keep on saying no to all these managers. Well, that's I think, fine. Dan. I mean, um, no, again, it's just not an attractive prospect. He's not I get, I, I, in a very similar vein to, to Conte. I just can't see him uh, having that that kind of uh, that brand of, of, of attacking football and. And again, when things start to go stale, it's going to be the, the same. The same cynics, the same critics are going to come out. You know, he's Chelsea. He's, he's not Tottenham. He's boring. He's a dinosaur. Uh, it, it's all going to come out again. So, I, again, I, I don't think he, he's the same man. Much this, in the same way as, as Conte isn't. Uh, he's not the same man for the job. I don't think. Okay, then, if we're not going to go for a continental manager, we're going to have to look back home. And one name that keeps cropping up. Is Graham Potter. Unfashionable, perhaps, because he's at a club down the football food chain. But you could have said the same about Richo Pochettino. So, Cole, would you opt for Brighton's managerial wizard? Well, this is the first one, Dan, where I think I'm kind of undecided. Um, I do like what he's done this season, and I have enjoyed watching Brighton. I think they play some really good football. Um and again, I'm like you. You kind of sit there and go, everyone is quick to write him off and say, no, that's not what Tottenham need right now. But again, you kind of sit there and go, well, hang on a minute. You know, Pochettino wasn't a household name before he came to us. We gave him his chance and look what happened. You know, probably one of our best managers in recent history. Um, so again, I wouldn't, if it was if he was named, I wouldn't be disappointed because I'd be thinking if he can bring the sort of football that Brighton have been playing. And I know people will say, well, Brighton, down the bottom of the table. Won 14, they've lost 14. But when you look at all their results, they've only lost by the odd goal. And when you look at the games, if they had a real top-class striker, and we're going to assume Kane potentially stays with us, those games could all have turned out much differently for Brighton and they could easily be sitting mid-table in the top 10 and everyone would be waxing lyrical about Potter now saying, well, he's the future, you know, look at what he's done with Brighton. So I'm on, 
slightly on the fence here, and I'd say I'm not sure if he'd be the right man. I like what I've seen. I like the football, and you can clearly see that that's being coached on the training ground, and I'd love to see Spurs play that sort of way that Brighton play. Um, But obviously there is that element of doubt as it could this be too big a job for someone like him, but only time would tell. I I wouldn't be disappointed. Put it this way, I'd be prepared to give him a chance if tomorrow it was said he's the man who's taking over. I'd be going, okay. well, let's see how he can get on. Okay then, James, because if we look at Brighton, I think they're fourth or fifth in the XG league. Now, of course, you can't win a game really with XG, but it does signify that they are creating chances. However, Brighton do seem to be incredibly blunt in attack. So would Potter's managerial fortunes change if he was at Tottenham? Could he finally make that step up as a top-tier manager? Is he the man for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as Carl. He's, he's the first manager who, who comes out of what we've got left, basically, to pick from. And I'm, I don't immediately think, no, I don't want him at my club. Um, I think he, he obviously has got Brighton playing in, in a, a beautiful style of football, which is which is great. You know, I think the towards the end of, of Mourinho at Spurs, it was one of my main, main bugbears, was that we were just playing without a soul. We were playing without kind of any kind of pattern and I think that's obviously something that, that Potter has gone into Brighton and and, and made a difference um, it, the build-up play is great and and like like you've mentioned you know, the XG that they create a lot of chances but if you if you factor in players like Kane, Son and Bale who they you know when you give them a chance it's unlikely they're going to miss the target Um you know, it, it just seems to work. You know, those those three players in particular playing at the spearhead of your attack it is. You only need a, a brief look at goal, and there's every chance that they're gonna they're gonna put it away. Um, it's something that Sonny has improved on massively in, in his you know his last few years at Spurs. Is that as soon as he's one on one with the keeper, you, there's no doubt in your mind that he's gonna finish it. Uh, Bale, obviously, again, he's he's got that wonderful left foot. He can he can pick out top or bottom corner, and then Kane, who's a, who was an absolute stone cold killer in front of goal. So, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're comparing players like Welbeck and uh, and, and Morpay, who who are who are going to be the finishers in that team, to to those three kind of players, and it's just whether we can kind of implement the same style. We can we can work the ball through midfield in the same way that that Brighton do. Uh, and with players like Ndombele and Lo Celso and, uh, you know, these these kind of players, Deli Alley even, uh, you'd like to think that we'd be able to kind of emulate what they what they do do. Um, you know, it is, it is, he is, I think he, he deserves a crack. I think he, he's, I think he's quite similar to, to, to the Pochettino appointment really in that he maybe wasn't, wasn't pulling up trees in terms of league position at Southampton, but, had them playing in in a way that that made people get up and notice, and and Potter, Potter has clearly done that as well. Uh, people are noticing Brighton, and, and it is a difficult place to go. They've played us off the park a couple of times in recent years, so so why not? I think it, it'd be um, it'd be a good appointment, and also I don't think it'd break the bank. So Daniel Levy is probably rubbing his fingers together. Yeah, that's another thing to consider as well. Budget for a manager, and I think he would come relatively cheap or cheaper than Mourinho, although he's in quite a long contract down the South Coast, but I shouldn't matter too much because there is actually another English manager who could be available in about six weeks or so if England do have a bad Euros or maybe even going out on a massive high. With that in mind, Carl, do you envisage Gareth Southgate wearing a Tottenham-branded waistcoat in August? 
Oh my god, that's open no. <laughs> um, Oh dear me! You're not having I, it. Now. I think I think at that point, I think there are a lot of supporters who say that is it. I, I've said I'm done with a club before, but I've never really been. But that would be one appointment that I would definitely sit there and probably think oh, you're pushing me close now. Um, I just hope we don't get him turn up at all. I think he's got very lucky with the players he's had for England. Um, He's had managerial stints before. I don't think he's pulled up any trees uh, and I don't think he would with us. So, yeah, that, that, let's hope that doesn't work out. I, I'm all for England winning the Euros right now. Keep him in a job. Well, Carl, you've literally read my mind because in my notes it says <laughs> an audible groan, which he did, and also his previous record has hardly pulled up any trees. So I think you must have literally read my notes before the show. <laughs> but, but, James, with that in mind... Is another part of the problem that because he's in the international theatre of war at the moment, it's not impossible to come back into the club game, but it is difficult. And also, I could go off Southgate, waistcoat side, and I just don't really trust him with a transfer budget. Like I don't really see him spending money correctly because he hasn't really had that element of management before. I know he has been a club manager, but he hasn't been trusted with big, big money. So you sort of think, I know there's a sort of Hitchin and Levy conundrum in this also, but... If Gareth Southgate yeah. was tasked with spending, I don't know, 50, 100 million, could he spend it wisely? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it comes under selection. I think, you know, in terms of if he's got a pool of players to select from, which, of course, he does as, a, as an international manager, it's quite similar in, in, in like, a, a transfer transfer window. You've got you've got a pool of players to look for and, and you've got the players that you want to bring in. And I, I don't really trust Southgate in terms of selection. Um, for instance, you know, looking ahead to the Euros, you just know that he's going to make a few decisions that are, that turn heads, and he, he he isn't. He also isn't going to make the the big call. He isn't going to, you know, drop drop some drop a big name to to bring in a youngster, an exciting young player. You know, if and I think that's what that's what makes me think he wouldn't be great in a transfer window. He wouldn't. Uh, go out and be able to spot talent from from a mile off. I think he he's more likely to play the safer option. Uh, and looking at some of his 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 selections for England, you know they've been absolutely dreadful. Uh, and 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 it's basic basic questions that I think he's he's left unanswered. So you know when he's playing Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice in a in a in a pivot and then not playing anyone in front of them who can pass a ball, you know that's basics. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want him to come to Tottenham and play Hoiberg and, and Sissoko next to each other with with no one in front of them. You know, it, it's it's similar. I, I, I wouldn't want him to play without a ball playing midfielder, which is what he's done for England, and play playing centre backs on the wrong side of a back three. You know, they're just basic things that that just make me think he's not necessarily a good manager, but he he probably. He probably is a good enough fit for England because there's enough individuals in that squad who are, who are going to make us play like a good team. Um, you know, I I I don't trust him with with England, let alone Tottenham. So again, it's it's a no from me. I'm similar to Carla. I wouldn't I wouldn't want him at the club. I don't think he uh, I don't think he you know oozes enough class really, and and he doesn't uh, he doesn't that class doesn't translate onto the pitch either. I think it. It's a little bit stale, and uh, and I think there's there's way too many basic errors in his management. Okay, you know my fear though. You know my fear though, Dan. Yeah. I think he's a perfect man for Levy. Yeah. Because yes. I think he's the perfect man who will come in, take what's thrown at him. You know, very respectful in interviews, and that won't upset the apple cart. 
I can see him being very attractive to Levy on the way that he kind of um, puts himself forward and the way he does the job. That is a major worry. Well, if he's a yes man, that's also a criticism which has been put in the direction of Ryan Mason, James. Now, I think if you were to look at his charge sheet across his short managerial tenure, he's been good against the lower clubs, but massively outfoxed by coaching heavyweights, them being Guardiola and Bielsa. So... Does he stay at the club in any form next season? Or is it kind of, thanks for your work, get out the door? I hope so. I, I think um, I think he's obviously done done a good job with, with the youth teams, good enough job with the youth teams. And, and I, I think he's shown enough that he, he probably could be quite a promising manager one day. Um, but you're right. I mean, he, he obviously, he hasn't, he was never going to have the, the tactical, you know, tactical knowledge or the... Um, you know the experience to to kind of outfox either of those managers, which which you know you can't you can't criticise massively, but and he also hasn't really changed up much. He hasn't kind of implemented much of a style. I don't think he his his style is obviously just a, he's brought in uh, La Celso and Ali, and and they've, they've been doing a lot of legwork up and down the pitch. Um, but you know he hasn't necessarily done what I wanted him to do, which was to to use these these last games to maybe. Bring in a few new faces, youngster-wise. Um, I thought that'd be the perfect thing for him to do, having worked with the with the with the youth teams before. Um, but you know, he he will be a good manager, I'm sure, one day. Probably not in the Premier League, but he'll he'll make a, he'll make a good coach for for someone lower league-wise. Um, I mean, he was always going to get kind of outfoxed by those tactical geniuses, really, in, in Guardiola and and especially Bielsa. So um, I hope he stays at the club. I hope he, I hope he maybe goes goes back into development or or even just stays as part of a first team setup uh, and just continues to to develop himself as a coach so that one day we can see him leave and we can see him come back to White Hart Lane uh, as a as an opposition manager and I'm sure he'd get a very very warm welcome when he does and you never know one day he might end up getting another crack at the Spurs job uh, and 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 uh, and if he does you know when when he's got that experience and and he's got that. Um, that that knowledge behind him, uh, I'm sure he'll be a very good manager and, and hopefully for us one day. Absolutely. I mean, he's so young in managerial circles that he could have two careers and still come back to Tottenham. There's plenty of time. I think it'd be harsh for him to be ushered out the door. I think, you know, it's almost a job he didn't even ask for, what, a month ago. So it'd be harsh to sort of say, well, you've got no job at all come July. So I think there'll be a, a role for him almost as a thanks for what he's done so far because he hasn't disgraced himself but it always was going to be something of a impossible job. Now, Cole, two more names to discuss. You can have one each. Premier League managers whose stock was high, but is now low. Now, do you invest in Ralph Hasenhutl? Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it, Dan? Because I think at the start of the season, Southampton were pushing for top four, weren't they? And everyone was screaming for Ralph at the time and thinking, you know, this could be the next manager and a great fit. And then all of a sudden you look at the table and they're just above the relegation zone and the season's gone to pot and, and another big thrashing at Man United to his name. And I think that has really kind of like killed any momentum he had going um, this season. So I think, you know, given the way Southampton have kind of finished and their season's gone from kind of the early start, I, again, I can't see too many people wanting him right now or screaming from the rooftops to get him in. Um, so I think that's another one we can scrub off the list. And James, the exact same question about Nuno. Would you invest in him? 
Yeah, I think I would. Um, I mean, he, he's obviously struggled with with this Wolves team uh, this season, um, but that's because they've, there's been a massive change of system. You know, they've lost a lot of players who fitted that season that that system perfectly. Um, you know, obviously Mark Doherty playing playing at the, the height of his powers. Um, uh, Diego Jota was obviously a very very underrated player for them, uh, and he's coming to the fore now that he's at Liverpool. Uh, and Jimenez, you know, a great out and out centre forward. So that, and they had a, you know, they had a great, a great system and a, and a great team going. He's obviously struggled because the 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 replacement products for for those players have been below par. Um, he's had to switch to to a back four rather than a, rather than that that kind of wing back system. Um, but I, I I do believe that if he came to Tottenham, he, he'd kind of try and implement a, a style. Whether that style would be would be would be the wing backs again. You know, it it wouldn't be something that I, I'd say no to because we've clearly got players that that do fit that style. Um, you know, your, your Regions and, and your and your Sessegnon coming back as well. Um, so you know, if if that's what he was going to come to Spurs to do, I'm I think the the Jose era, as as I said earlier, I think it has just ruined me in the sense that I I just want to see us playing with a system, whether it's a a, a you know a, a good system. You know, I'd obviously prefer it, but I just want to see us playing with some kind of, some kind of target, some kind of build-up play that that makes sense, and and, and there's there has to be you know an end goal. Um, so Nuno, he'd he'd be a coach that I would take, um, and I feel like he he probably would be prized prized away from Wolves, especially in the state that they're in at the moment. They they're not the the team that they once were, um, and I, I I would take him to be honest, yeah. Right, it's the important question for you both. Gun to the head time. Carl, who do you think will be the Spurs manager when we catch up for the first episode in August? Well, I'm going to throw one that we haven't mentioned oh, yet, on, and I'm going to say Scott Parker. Oh, wow. Yeah, completely forgot about I, that. I think, obviously, adds add some connections already at the club. Um, apparently, he's well-liked within the club. I think he's kind of done himself reasonably proud with Fulham. You know, they put up much more of a fight than anyone thought. Um, so I still wouldn't be surprised. For me, I think it's between Potter and Parker. Okay, James, what are you going for? Is it between Nuno and Potter for you? No, I, I agree with Carl. I think I think Scott Parker has got a really, really strong, strong shout for the Spurs job. Um, obviously, the, the connections are there, and and again, I think he he has got Levy written all over him. He's he's very, very well spoken in his interviews. Uh, he's he's not even though he's well spoken in his interviews, he's not likely to rock the boat massively. So I think and and again, you know, with a relegated club uh, like Fulham, I think he'd be relatively easy to prize away uh, in terms of in terms in terms of money wise. So I think it. I don't think Nuno is actually on the table uh, as much as I said. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd like I wouldn't mind him. Wouldn't turn my nose up at him. Uh, I, I don't think that one is is on the table. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a, a Levy kind of manager to me. So I, I I I agree. I think it's between Potter and Parker. I think it, it depends which one of those two kind of nail themselves to their to their mast. I think Parker has obviously said that he he does want to to manage um, Fulham in the Championship, uh, and so you know it's whether Potter wants to wants to stay with Brighton and 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 keep you know keep that keep that momentum moving and try and maybe get himself a centre forward that's going to finish his team's chances. Uh, or whether he sees Tottenham as a as a good project for him, um, but between the two of them, I, I wouldn't. I, I I still can't call it. And I, do you know what? I don't think anyone can. You've only got to look at the bookies. You know, there's a new favourite every every couple of days. 
no one knows who who Tottenham are going to bring in as their next manager. Um, but I just I just hope that that it's it is I'll, I'd take either one of those two two managers personally. Okay, if we're going down that route, I think I'm going to go all in on Graham Potter. I just think with Scott Parker, you've obviously made a great compelling case between the two of you. But I just feel with that relegation, he stops that a little bit lower. I think with Potter keeping Brighton in the Premier League, he's at not peak value. Well, maybe he is, actually, because what else can he really do with Brighton? So I think there's a kind of... The time is now. And it always, it's always about timing, about who you can really get. Now, we kind of look at this long list, really, and although some aren't really suitable, it's kind of a damning indictment that we don't know what direction we're going in. And I think it's going to be a Premier League or someone who's been a Premier League manager this season. So obviously that he could include... Scott Parker, but I think it's going to be Graham Potter and we'll find out over the course of the summer who's right. I mean, we might all be wrong. It might be a name we've not even considered, but that's the beauty of it. Right, we are pretty much over time, so I best get a move on because next week we're going to mop up the whole season or at least as much as we want to remember because let's be honest, it hasn't been a great season, has it? So we're going to mop it up and we'll find out whether it's Europa League, Europa Conference League or Thursday nights off and we'll find that out next Monday. So before we do that... I need to thank my two Pod Squad members for a fantastic chat this evening. James, a sterling return to form this evening. Thank you for joining me once more. Yeah, always a pleasure, Dan. I think you should. Uh, I think you should throw your name in the hat for the Spurs job as well. By the way, mate, I think you'd have a good shot. If they pay my train expenses from Newcastle, I'm in. <laughs> and uh, Carl, thanks for running the channels this evening, wearing that captain's armband as always. Cheers, mate. Really enjoyed that one. Fantastic. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always. Come on, you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.